0: instead of doubting yourself and putting those negative things in your head why don't you start putting positive things in and really see what happens to your world
1: (laughs) welcome to the juggling the chaos of recovery podcast where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions you're in the right place if you're a mom dad sibling or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction in a time where everything seems heavy i'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling one thing holds true throughout it all you can't juggle the chaos without smiling at least a little bit well welcome to another episode of the podcast i'm your host moira gorski so grateful that you come back We are, although we're recording this, the end of the year, I know that we're going to post this up in the new year. So happy new year to everyone. Um, You know, if you've listened to me for the last 130 episodes that I love to connect with other people. I love to have others have a chance to share their story. And I'm all over the place, again, looking to to connect with people. And um, Dorothy Graham, who is my guest today, I saw her on LinkedIn and uh, I loved her, what do they call it there? Headline, tagline, or whatever. She talked about being an overcomer coach. And I was like, I got to get to know her. I got to get to know what that is all about. And um, as we connected, um, I was really thankful that I reached out. Uh, She um, gratefully had me as a guest on her show. And um, now she is a guest on my show this week. So we'll get started. Dorothy, thanks for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me, uh, Moira. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you. I mean, it's like it's like we're soul sisters connected here. It's, <laughs> it's like we're both in the same realm of overcoming and, and you know, helping people. And, and I, I just love that. I love connecting and building my network.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's that idea that as we share our stories of overcoming, you know, we can be that example for others who perhaps... Um, aren't feeling like they can overcome that day or that they can get through the day. I made a post on Facebook today about overcoming my, you know, my eating disorder, but also just the things that I've overcome through the years as I've uh, supported my daughter through her journey. And, um, one gal in particular, uh, just said, you know, I really needed to hear that today. So we never know who is going to need to hear our story that day. And many people can be, um, shy about sharing, but again, both you and I know that it's just so powerful when we share our stories because we connect with others and, um, we can offer that hope too. So, um, Monday I talked about my story. So today it's all about you and your story. And, um, I'd love, that's how we start many of these podcasts is to start with your story, share what you feel is, you know, is pertinent. And, um, you know, we always say, don't share all of the all the down and dirty stuff, but just share again the things that happened to lead you to the point where you you needed to overcome, and um and we're going to lead into what you're doing today and how it got to you today. But let's start start with your
0: story. Sure. Well, um, I grew up in a pretty well what I thought was normal home, and uh, but I was bullied all through school. I, you know, been overweight. I, I grew up and I. was a skinny little thing. And then I, for some reason, wasn't eating. So my parents brought me to the doctor and the doctor had given me some kind of medication and I started to eat and then I didn't stop eating. Um, so, you know, I was overweight all through public school and the kids were brutal with that, which led to me having extreme low self-esteem because I just, you know, I I didn't think that I was any good because that's what I heard all day long when you hear that all day long, you tend to believe it. Um So when it came to be older and into relationships, I allowed myself to, I was in a very mentally and verbally abusive relationship and it took me four years to leave that. And that not only was with my personal life, that was also with my professional life. I would be working for people that would think nothing of, you know, Miss treating me verbally and, and things like that. And I can remember when I first started this job, it was a husband and wife team. It was in the trucking industry. And I would have they would get into an argument and I'd have phones whizzing by my head. It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh I stayed there for 10 years um because I didn't think I could get any better. Just like I didn't think I could get any better in my in my relationship. And so I decided enough was enough. I had I would get cluster migraines and I would be so stressed out. Like it wasn't even funny. I was on medication for the migraines and my blood pressure at one point was like 175 over 155 at one point. And my doctor had begged me for years to quit that job and to get out of that relationship. Finally, um, Faith walked in my door and it's just like God said, You've had enough and took me out of those situations. And growing up too, I also had parents that were um, chronically ill. My mom went undiagnosed with angina and lupus for uh, 20 years. And my dad had his first stroke at 30.
1: Uh,
0: He had a heart attack, left work at the age of 55 and never returned. He left work out of an ambulance and never returned back to work. Uh, He also had degenerative discs from the top of his neck to the base of his spine in chronic pain for the last 20 years of his life and then he got cancer two and a half years ago and passed away three months ago cancer and then of course if that wasn't enough my uncle took his life christmas day 23 years ago so the low self-esteem the mental uh mental health definitely has been in our family like um we I didn't realize this, but both grandmothers had suffered from anxiety and depression and was not made aware of that until recently. So I was just like, it was like an atomic bomb and it's always chaos in our house. And I thought that was normal until uh, recently when I figured out and started doing healing on myself. And, and if I took a course called Ancient Paths, which connects our, our bloodline and stuff like that and the different, mm. different things that happen ancestrally. So it's all fun. It's like all connected. And I'm thinking, okay, well, let's break this off because I've had enough of dealing with this. Right. So it was a lot to take in, but um, it made me who I am today. And in those moments, it was like pretty dark in some of those moments, but I just kept going and overcoming and just kept going and overcoming. And it's just like, God's like, okay, girl, we need you somewhere. We're going to put you somewhere else. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's um there's a lot there and that I want to unpack and talk about, you know, just those those generational patterns we've talked about that on this show before is um be it that it's the mental health things or it's the um sarcasm or it's the um chronic illness because they haven't taken care of themselves or whatever. There are these generational patterns that that just continue on and continue on. And I think it's really important. I've done some, like I went to a retreat a few, probably a month ago now. um, And we talked about, we talked about our connections with our mothers and our grandmothers and kind of like we brought pictures and we talked about behaviors and patterns and things like that. And, you know, to the, to the, at least the starting point of giving ourselves some grace to know that, you know what, our moms did the best they could and the grandmothers did the best they could and kind of looking at that to give ourselves some grace, but also that realization that, yeah, there it is. And I remember talking with a friend and client of mine who had, a remind, you reminded me of her because she had chronically ill parents and she was, she was getting migraines when she uh, cleaned the house and she had different, She was starting to have health issues herself and some anxiety and things. And so she wondered, she said, is this what I'm destined for? You know, is that what's going to happen to me when I'm 50 and things like that? And it was and she was thankful that she found me and the company that I work with for some natural products because she saw a way out. But for so long, she felt like, I think that's the way my life is going to go. My health is going to go because that's all she saw. And it seems like that's kind of what was happening with you. Like you saw all these things happening and things were kind of manifesting in you too. So it kind of seemed, even though it wasn't um, healthy, it probably seemed like, well, this is the way my life is, right? That's, this is the way it's going to be because it seems to match up with, with the way it's always been for my family. Right. Right.
0: Exactly. And. Yes. And I love what you said about our parents did the best that they could and my parents used to bicker at the table and I was like, so embarrassed. Like I, I refuse to bring anybody home anymore. And I finally sat down with them. I'm like, well, you guys quit doing that. And my mom's like, well, that's how we talk to each other though. It's like a loving endearment to them, but to the outside world, it's not. And for years I was like, Oh my God, can I just be in a normal family? But what the heck is normal really? And once I stepped back and it's funny because I, I had somebody say to me, well, what, what's normal, you know? And I didn't, my family was not a Christian family and I ended up finding God in that in that abusive relationship that I was in, the personal one. And it's just like, so I always thought I had to act a certain way. You know, I had to be the Christian type person that doesn't do anything wrong, doesn't cuss, doesn't swear, doesn't do this and be the perfect little person. And that is not me at all. So it was like living a double life. And so she, this woman asked me, uh, I went to church with her and she goes, Well, what do you think normal is? And I'm so I explained to her what I just said, you know, normal and everybody prim and proper. And she goes, That's not what normal is. So, since that day forward, and since I become a stepmom, it's just like, Oh, yes, my parents did the best that they could because I took a look at their parents and how their parents were with them. And I'm like, It's definitely better. Like, you could see that each generation got it getting better. But I also was like, wait, my parents are like this because yes, I see the pattern with my mom and my grandmother. I see the pattern with my dad and his dad. And I'm like, okay, it all makes sense. They just did the best that they could with what they knew.
1: Right. Right. They did. And what this gal challenged us at this, at the retreat was that perhaps it's like, perhaps the fact that we're noticing that and we're still here, like perhaps it's up to us to maybe change some of those patterns and seeing if you can embrace like they've, you know, maybe the mother did better than the grandmother did better than the great grand. So maybe it's up to us to continue on with like improving that or changing things so that in generations to come, then it, it, those patterns aren't. And I think that's kind of a, I'm like, wow, that's like a big thing, but it's also, I think a pretty hopeful message that we can take on to say, you know what, we're going to, work on saying, you know, maybe that's the way my parents talk to each other, but you know what, it's just not, it wasn't helpful for me. So I'm going to create this now in my relationships and see if I can break some of those, you know? Yeah. But I also want to, like you talked about being in an abusive relationship and um, just to reflect back on that made me think of um, a relationship I was in for a few years and And, um, we ended up moving in together. I thought that we would get married and that was really not what he was going for. But, um, even though he led me to believe that, but I got to the point that I knew I needed to, I knew I needed something different. I needed, knew I needed to leave, but I was really afraid. It's like, you have this, like, like you said, I don't know know if you said it about the job. Like, I don't know if I could find a better job than that. Like, I was in the place, the fear of, I don't know if you felt that with your relationship, but like, well, who's going to love me? Because I was raised in that, in in a very Christian Baptist home. And my mother, when I moved in, when she, when I finally told her that I had moved in with this guy, I mean, it was like, you know, silent treatment. And like, so, you know, she very mad at me. And like, I couldn't, she couldn't believe that I'd done that. and, And she had this like, yeah. And so what you're living with him. You're probably having sex with him. You're all of that. Like I'm this big sinner. And so all of those thoughts are playing in my head. And as I was starting to not be good and to the point that it just was a big sign, like I needed to get out. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, but who's going to love me. Right. I'm this heathen woman, like this sinner, this, you know, scarlet letter, who's going to love me. My girlfriends, a couple of them at the time, like, thank God for them. They're like, what do you mean, who's going to love you? You're a wonderful person. You need to get out of that. Another gal said to me, who I haven't, I mean, that was many, many years ago, but I remember her saying, I haven't kept in touch with her. But she said, if you never, if you ever need a place, just call me. And when I walked out the door that night, when he came this close to hitting me, I grabbed my clothes and I walked out and I called her and I said, I need a place to stay. And she was there. So, you know, but there are those thoughts like things couldn't be any better, even though it really sucks. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. no way it could be better. Right. Or nobody could love me or there isn't another job or there isn't a blah, blah, blah. And so we get paralyzed. Right. I guess that's what happens is we get paralyzed in that fear and that it's never going to get better. And so we just decide to stay, even though it sounded like with you for 10 years, that's an awful long time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was the the job in in the relationship. You're absolutely right. I stayed with him because I didn't think I could get better looking back. I'm like, seriously, (laughs) but like when they have you thinking that you know, it's all your fault. And that, you know, if you just wouldn't have said or did this, then, you know, they wouldn't have acted out. And then, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, it's like coming home to Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, I had no idea who I was gonna come home to. And um, you're right. And I never told my parents what was going on behind the scenes ever because I was too ashamed and I didn't want them to think that I had messed up because I was the perfect one right my brother Mm -hmm. was the mess up not me and I say that with love of course but (laughs) uh, I know what you mean though (laughs) (laughs) you know and I I just like looking back and and the first time I really messed up with my parents it was like I felt so ashamed but I was a lot older and I had trusted the wrong person and you know, it, it, that's a whole other story. But um, getting back to the abusive relationship, it was, yeah, you're right. I didn't think I could get better. And and then finally, I thought, you know what? I would rather be single for the rest of my life than put up with this. And that's when I was just like, I'm done. And I was going to wait till after Christmas. But he had a son. And I was going to wait till after Christmas because he had the son. But I came home November 3rd. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was my freedom day. November 3rd, he, after I cooked him dinner, of course, then after the, and the silent treatment for a month, uh, and you could have put the great defied between us in bed at night for the last month or two. Um, I, he says to me, oh, I'm unhappy, I want you to leave. And we had moved from our apartment into his parents' rental home. So he had me, like I was stuck. So even though I was paying the rent, it didn't matter. Uh, You know, I was just like, oh, okay, I see where this is going. Kind of find out he had been having a little side piece on the side, you know, on top of all this. And I was just like, of course, I was devastated at first, but I called my parents and I'm like, my dad says just pack your stuff and come home. And I didn't want to move back home at the age of what how old was I I think 30 or 35 I forget how old I was I I missed different years of my life I I think I've been not been with him for 10 years so yeah it was 33 between 33 35 anyways and I'm like I don't want to live with my parents so my brother said well give me two weeks and I'll make you an apartment in my house in the basement and you can live there so that's what I did I, I said i'm not leaving until i can get my stuff out of here because i didn't trust him to leave my stuff there and everything was in my name so i was and that was one of the things i'm like how can i leave when every all the utilities are in my name like so i said to him i said you i'm staying home from work tomorrow you give me a way check or i'm going to the utility commission and i'm shutting everything off and then you can pay the reactivation fee too so he lo and behold every Everything that I had, it like all everything disappeared. He gave me a boy check, said, Here you go, transferred over. I did that. And within a week I was gone. The employer that I was working for and um came with a with a truck. My family was there, we loaded it up and I was out of there. Mm-hmm. So never yeah. looked back.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think part of the message in that too is there, even though we're and I want the listeners to hear it, even though You know, we might be ashamed and we think that our parents aren't gonna love us, or you know, whatever the case is. Like they're they're they were there to say, come home, you know, and your brother was there to help you. Like they are willing, and we have to, you know, that's one of the things that I have learned over the years is that you know, my mother was very, very strong woman. She did so much herself and led so much of the family and things like that. But that showed me that you don't ask for help. Right. And that you, know, cause if you, if you ask for help, it means you're weak. Well, that's so Then that I didn't ask for help, but it's like, you gotta, ask. there are people that are, I guess the message too is that, you know, there are people that are willing to help you. You've got to have that courage and sometimes it is kind of a breaking point or it's a bad situation. And then you're like, okay, that's it. I'm done kind of thing. Or perhaps they precipitate it. You know, you're, you're, you know, your partner said, Hey, I want you out of here. And that was probably the best gift he could have given you. It sounds like.
0: Exactly. Yes. It, it was the best gift ever. And like I said, I had, I had gone, I was just going to pack my stuff up and leave in the middle of the day. And his friend heard what I was going to do because I was talking to his girlfriend about it. And he put her aside and said, you know, make sure she doesn't do that because his x did that to him and he almost attempted to kill himself he sat in the middle of the road on a highway and i and so he was afraid that this guy like he would do it again my partner would do it again and i'm just like you know what so i didn't do it and i'm like that's not on me like afterwards i'm thinking that's not on me like if you take your life yes i would feel horrible but that's not on me if that's what you decide to do because you know you made my life miserable for four years. You know, I was completely brainwashed. Like it took me two years just to even unwind the mental abuse that was there. And I'm just, Mm. and that's after healing and different kinds of healing, like counseling. And, and I had some theophastic prayer ministry through the church and it was just like, and a woman's group Bible study. Like I had, I had women surrounding me that was absolutely people that, I didn't even know where they were coming from were were helping me trying like to get me back to at least semi normal and mm. I'll be forever grateful uh for them and it's just you know sure so now I'm just like I would never put a that.
1: right right <laughs> husband, well you're, strong, you're stronger daughter. today yeah yes. yeah yeah so let's yeah. talk about the things that have helped you obviously you again um did have the will to in the bravery to say okay I'm going to okay, I'll follow what you're saying and I will we'll leave and you had places to go. So you talked about your faith. I mean, some what are those? some of the things that helped you along in your healing journey? We like to talk on this podcast about things that you can kind of put in your tool belt, you know, things that you've learned that have helped you that you can then go and rely on in different times of your life when you need them.
0: Sure. My faith was definitely at the forefront, but in that, I also, I never had friends growing up. Very few friends growing up. And it just seemed like when I decided enough was enough, it's like God just planted these women around me. So the friendships that I had built has been the pivot pivotal point in my life because I never had that growing up ever. So yeah, you'd make a couple of friends in high school, but then women are women and they get catty and then you know they get it, go against each other. And I'm like, okay, I don't want that either. I'd rather just be by myself in the corner. And I spent a good portion of my life by myself. Um, So definitely friendships was, was definitely one of the people I could trust. And I did go, like I said, for um, counseling, I I did have a pastor that I talked to. I also did. um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with theophostic prayer ministry, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's, so it's basically getting to the root of the lie that you're thinking so for instance, I feel I'm unworthy, Well, when was the first time you felt that? And most of the time it takes you right back to your childhood, you know, mm-hmm. and which there was a lot to unpack there. I mean, with being years of being bullied and stuff like that and, and, you know, different illnesses that was happening. So, you know, it takes you right back to that. And then it's like, you put the truth to that lie and it it's, it, it re like it, it's, crazy how it all works, but it's really it it does work. (laughs) Um so you know and and just unpacking every all the triggers that are there. And so um so I did that kind of counseling. Plus I also had talked to um when my dad got sick, I definitely talked to a social worker at the cancer clinic. So I and they give you tools to like they give you worksheets and, and things to do. And a good part of my life I never I always took care of everybody else. So I didn't know how to take care of me. And I still, I'm not going to say struggle. I still have a hard time once in a while, you know, doing too much and going above that. But I've definitely learned to put a self-care program in place. I spend the first hour of my day in meditation, journaling, gratitude. That is non-negotiable. And I found when I went to Chicago last weekend that I didn't do that. And boy, Sunday I was just like, my spirit is like, this is crazy, girl. You need to get back to your routine. And mm-hmm. uh, and definitely, I found that working out helped for me, like that exercise and getting. I love walking. I I could walk all day. I've been in several different. I've actually did a half marathon. You look at me and people go, you did a half marathon, and I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what your size is, you can do whatever you need to do. Oh yeah, Um, absolutely. So I have done a half marathon and, you know, just keeping my mental health in, in check. And definitely I just did a, it's called mirror work by Louise Hayes. So, you know, even though I find healing is like an onion it's layer after layer yes and just when you think that you've been healed from that like it took me three years to even get to a point where i could say my ex's name without wanting to yell and scream and -hmm. i can say his name now which i won't because it, it i do have i do have a book out so i i can't use his name um so i can actually tell my story without breaking down without crying um you know and that you that takes time, that takes therapy, that takes healing for sure. So yeah, it's just, I think it's not just one thing. I think it's a combination of things, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Well, and I, I love what you said too. It's kind of an onion. It's kind of a progression because we can do a few things and, you know, we feel better. And then we kind of, at least this is what I found is that, you know, then you use those tools and then you kind of get through life a little bit and then something else comes up and then you're like, oh, I need to use those tools again or something else. Or just like you said, I mean, the universe, the God that you believe in, I mean, works in really pretty cool ways and sends people your ways or different, different ideas or different programs. And that's what I've loved about this podcast as I've gone along, you know, there's been different people that have come into my life or I've, Uh, you know, they're friends of mine. And I say, Hey, let's, I'll tell your story. And they talk and it's like, wow, that's something that was helpful for me to hear or something that I said was helpful for them. So I think it is, you know, time after time, and perhaps as you get stronger in different situations, then there's different things. And I'm telling you that mirror work, I haven't really dove deep into that, but that's pretty powerful stuff, you know? Mm. So I commend you for doing that or continuing to do that because that's, you know, looking right at yourself in the mirror and saying, you know, I, I don't know, I, I can't speak enough to it, but I certainly know about Lewis Hayes. We have a couple of her books here. And um, and I I don't know who said it, but I don't know if it was Joyce Myers or whatever. But, you know, when the lie became the law, right? You know, we're telling ourselves these lies and then we made it the law in our life. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing all those things. And I haven't heard of that the- theosophical.
0: Theophastic for industry. ministry.
1: So that's always through a church type of setting.
0: Yeah. Ed Smith is the original person that came up with that. So if you Google Ed Smith, it should come up, but I did it through my church and actually I got, I got certified so that I could actually do it on other people. And it's funny because I use those principles in my coaching so that, you know, it's, it's basically the same thing, but people, you know, when you, when you talk about the church, sometimes people get their get upset about that or but it basically is using the same principles and I I'm not hiding it everybody I I talk about God on my on my podcast that my faith is huge and so like I don't hide that so you know it's front and center and um so people learn to accept that you know if they want to work with me or or
1: not <laughs> right well i think that like you said that and you talked about like it goes back to your childhood so and I, I say this because again i was raised in in the church and very conservative fundamental type of thing and so when i started to kind of discover the spirituality world if you will and the woo as yeah. my girlfriend says you know yeah. i was like i was a bit unsure of it and the energy work and things like that but i've come to believe that it's just it's very similar like you said the you know that type of prayer in the inner or the young child like when you do inner child work I was like that's kind of weird but basically it's like talking and thinking about how it was like in your childhood right when it was a certain time that perhaps you were bullied or for me you know that I was embarrassed and I went to my mother and she didn't hear me or whatever I've done the inner child work or you know that I wasn't yeah. seen because of this or this and this it's the yeah. same kind of thing it is but and I've that's why I'm like, just look into it again. If it doesn't resonate with you. Okay. But sometimes we're doing the same thing. But we're just calling it different yep. um, things, but there's a lot of healing in taking a look at our past. Cause sometimes my husband would say, well, why do we have to always talk about that stuff? And I'm like, well, I think there's power in going back there to look at it. Yep. And, but then also, at least with the inner child work that I've done, it's like, then me today talking to that little if I had a chance to talk to that little girl back then and, and tell her like what I want to tell her. Yeah. and kind of helping that healing doing that is powerful stuff because I remember I've done a few things, and it's like all of a sudden I don't think about that like that trigger or whatever you call it. it doesn't come up
0: anymore because I've like healed that part. and it's pretty powerful. It is powerful. And I believe that if we were to teach our children this at a young age, they wouldn't have the problems that we have now. We wouldn't have ADHD. We wouldn't have kids with anxiety. We wouldn't have all this stuff. If we would just teach our children this, you know, um, because we were certainly never, I was certainly never taught that in school. And I mean, I'm 45. So, um, you know, and well, they got rid of home economics too. So like we have all these Uh, 18 year old, 19 year olds leaving home, don't know how to cook, are emotionally incapable of, of anything because the moment you look at them wrong, they're like hovering in the corner crying. I'm like, you know, if we would just teach this to our children and and, and show them that they are strong human beings, that they can do anything they want to be. Like I tell my nephew, I said, he struggles with anxiety. I said, you know, you need to start loving yourself because he's trying to find love in all the wrong places. I'm like, you need to love yourself first before you can let anybody else love you. And I said, I'm here to tell you because seriously, you know, with everything that I've been through, I still feel those occasionally those times where, you know, I'm not worthy of my husband's love. But then I'm like, well, wait a minute, because that's not true. So that, you know, the mirror work, doing the mirror work was absolutely like incredible. 21 days of my life. And I'm like, so I, I'm, I'm going back and I'm redoing some of the exercises because I'm like, OK, you know, just to reaffirm what's already mm-hmm. there, because. Mm-hmm affirmations are powerful and you know instead of instead of doubting yourself and putting those negative things in your head why don't you start putting positive things in and really see what happens to your world
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah a couple weeks ago at church I um was listening to um you know the sermon and I go to a wonderful contemporary church I love the message that he always puts out and it was I don't know if I can really even say it the right way but it was it was talking about faith and about belief and kind of it reflected back to my, you know, work in my life and stuff like that. Like just that idea that if we don't even believe, you know, if we don't, can't even like imagine what it would be like, like, how can you really believe that? And it was about the Christmas story and it was like old Testament, the new Testament, but it just kind of like struck me like, it's true. Like, if we can visualize, and I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but it just really, because from being like, again, I don't usually talk about, oh, belief and affirmations in church, but it was kind of like the same thing. Like if you believe basically what's here, but you don't believe what's here, I don't know, but it was kind of like, it was about faith and about just visualizing things and having that faith and just as you do that, you're like sitting, you know, like, oh, they always say, like, with affirmations, you talk about, like, it's already happening type of thing. And I don't know, I feel like I'm not explaining this at all. But it was such a realization, like, well, that's true. Because faith is so faith, right? There's sometimes not these solid things, but it was kind of like, well, wait a minute, if, there's no reason to not believe is basically, but um, again, doing all the stuff that we're doing in our business lives and home lives is that visualization. It's right there in the faith and the Bible. And again, I don't think I explained it well at all, but, but, but I agree with you that it's like just showing our kids and being that living example and showing them, like, it's okay to say, like, maybe you're having a bad day, but like, tomorrow's a better day. And today's a better, you know, tonight can be a better day. And, and tomorrow I'm going to have a good day. And, you know, I'm good enough to have a good day. All those like things that
0: sometimes people think are silly. There's a lot of power in that. There is. And I totally agree with what you're saying. And I think you did a good job explaining it. (laughs) But if it's like this, if you can believe in Santa Claus, why can't you believe in yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, if you can believe uh, faith is seeing the things How does that say faith is seeing the things that are not in front of you. I messed that up a little bit, but you, the gist of it is like, if, if you can believe in a God that you can't see, why can't you believe, but he's all knowing and all powerful. You should be able to believe in yourself for at least five seconds to get through something. My favorite quote is it takes 20 seconds of insane courage can change your life. Like Mm -hmm. I saw that on we bought a zoo. I think it is. And uh, with Matt, Damien, and I was just like, that is so true. Like if you could just put yourself aside for 20 seconds and go after everything that you want, your life is gonna change. And it trust me, it does because I've done that. I just right. like and I always and I have this quote by Wayne Dyer, be open to everything and attached to nothing. And as soon as I feel myself getting anxious or a fearful, I was just like, be open to everything and attached to nothing. Mm-hmm. And I just sit there and I, it, it works. Like I'll say it in my head and I'm sure my boss is like, looks at me, weird, but I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't care. It's what gets me through the day, you yeah. know,
1: open and not attached. I, um, I love the people that I interview for my podcast. I love this. And I love another gal that I spoke with this week, who, after I spoke with you on Monday, she was an attorney. She was a lawyer here in Illinois and following what her parents thought that she should be doing. And and she just was not happy and she just started to kind of like buck the system a little bit and like do some side things and she realized like she was happier doing that and so she decided i'm not going to be a lawyer anymore and she is living in a van and she's a real estate investor now she's got a really cool an interior designer and so sometimes she's like when i interviewed her she was in colorado cuz she buys you know homes or apartments and she redoes them and then she moves on but The really fascinating thing that she mentioned, which I've been talking about all week, because we live in a community, right? And I'm all about community. I know you're in Canada, I'm in Illinois, but I love to connect with people and I love to be like this or in person. And there's, I get fulfillment from that. But she talked about like, when you leave that, when you go out on your own, she said, you're able to discover who you are without like used attachments, without those attachments to other people. And that's a pretty powerful thing. And for me, who's a recovering codependent who like did so much of her life, like, oh, how are they going to think? What are they going to think? Like, if we can discover ourselves with no attachment, there's some power in that. It's kind of scary, right? Mm-hmm. But just, it is. but just, she said there was so much healing and so much like freedom and peace that she found that she's like, I could do, whatever I wanted to do. And I could be whoever I wanted to be. And, and not in a, again, as we talked about, and you'll, you know, hear it on the podcast episode, not to say that you're being secretive, like when you meet somebody, but you get to choose how much of your life you want to share with that person. And you don't have to share all of the, nasty past or things like that. You can just be who you want to be right in that moment with that person that you met or whatever. There's a lot of power in that. It was a really cool concept to think about. And I feel like it just goes right with like, be open to everything, but don't be attached to what other people say or what those lies in our head or whatever that case is. I think that's a kind of a cool thing to think about.
0: Well, it's funny you said that because Okay, so I am a control freak. <laughs> I, I've learned the this this year that I was, I was like, "Do I really do that?" I'm like, "That's controlling," and I didn't even realize how bad it was. So now that I've made myself aware of it, I'm I'm cognizant when I go to do something. I'm like, "I'll like take a second thought of that." So I mentioned that uh, the chaos that I grew up with and and everything like that, and I found myself that I'm when somebody's sick. I like hover and my husband hates that. And, um, but that's, I'm used to people being ill and that's what I do. I take care of them. So I had to decide this week that, okay, I had no control that my father smoked two packs a day and ended up with lung cancer. I had no control over that. I have no control over how my mom, uh, acts or reacts to my father's death. And I have no control over my husband. I have no control over my stepson. I have no control over anything except for me. So I had to decide this week. And it's like I had my my fists clenched. And it's just like God said, unclench them. And so I let go of the control and the worry that was surrounding me, uh, uh, particularly this week about my last week about my mom, because my mom had slipped into a little bit of a depression over my dad's death. I mean, it's still fairly new. It was only, it's only been three months as of yesterday. And I was worried for her because it's Christmas time. My uncle took his life at Christmas. So in my mind, and I've had 23 years of healing, but in my mind, when I heard depression, my mind went to suicide. And mm. so I was very fearful, but then after talking uh, to friends of mine and, and, and things like this, it's just like, well, wait a minute, my mom isn't my uncle. And so that was silly to even associate that. But then I had to let go of control and think, okay. And we're dealing with stuff with my nephew. And I'm like, well, if my uncle decides, or if my, my nephew decides to fly off to Illinois, I have no control over that. He's a grown man now. So I have no control over that. So why am I worrying about it? So it's just like something went off inside of me. That's like, I have no control over y'all anyways. So why let it bother me? And it's just like, it's been a freeing two weeks. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I would imagine. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that's hard to
0: do after 45 years of control. Cause that's how you had to do like, that's, you've had to take care of everybody. And now I'm just like, well, wait a minute. That's not my monkey, not my circus. So now it's Mm -hmm. on you.
1: Right. And it is, I mean, 58 years, I mean, it's been a long time and it's still difficult to, um, to let that stuff go. And I thought I had, you know, like we talked about, it's kind of this continuum of healing. I've let go of a lot of that control stuff, but I've realized recently, like, no, I still like that control and that stability and that, you know, sense of uh, it's okay. And, but there is freedom in letting it go. And it's really scary, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think again, what you do is awesome. You've lived a life and you, you've learned from that. You've healed from that. And as a result, you want to help people too. You coach people. And like I said, on Monday, I'm no, like, Oh, I know all the answers. It's just like, I'm farther ahead. You're farther ahead. And we just encourage people to come along. Like we'll come along and we'll come, we'll teach everything we know. We'll, will encourage you because we've been through this journey of life and, um, we may not have all the answers, but we have some answers that have, that worked for us and perhaps they could work for you. So, um, tell us how you're, um, doing that and growing a coaching business and with your, with your show and really what your, you know, what your dreams and and goals are with all of that.
0: Yeah. So Monday nights at seven, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, I have my own live show called Unstoppable Overcomers, which uh, is aired on my LinkedIn profile, which is uh, Dorothy Ann Graham O'Dell, or my Facebook page, which is Dorothy Graham O'Dell, or my YouTube channel, which is Unstoppable Overcomers. And actually, if you go to my YouTube channel and subscribe, I'm having a giveaway. Um, So if you find me on my social media, Definitely take a picture that you subscribed and I will put you in the draw because I'm doing a draw for four different books on New Year's Day. Uh, I am really wanting to get attention to my YouTube channel, you know, and and more followers. I believe that show is absolutely incredible. And I'm not just saying that because it's mine, but I showcase other people that have overcome. And I've had people on the show from... They've they overcome e- drugs, alcohol, food addictions. Um, one was a, was raped and then um, went on to be Miss Galaxy. I mean, I've had local counsellors on. I've had, you name it, I pretty much have it on the show and it, it's only going to get better. But what I believe is, yes, I have a story and I wrote a book about my story, but I love to hear other people's story and it's such an impact. Our lives are connected to certain people. And if we keep our mouth shut, those people will never get helped. And I had a coach that said that to me and I was like, I got goosebumps when she said that. And I was like, this year I've really been opening up more sharing my story and, and getting the word out because that stuck with me. So if I was to not say anything, someone's life, like, someone's life could depend on that. And so I believe we all have a story and we all need to be heard. And that's what my platform is about. And I know what it's like to be in those dark moments. And I felt very alone and I don't want that for anybody. I want to end people feeling alone and feeling that they're worthless because every life matters. So that's what I'm out to create. And it is a live show right now, but I I'm headed for TV. I know it's going to be on a form of TV at, some point in the very near future. So, I keep t- speaking that out and it's going to happen. I am also like you said an overcomer coach and I help people find fun and fulfillment in their lives. I think stress is just a symptom. And so if we get to the root problem of the stress, you will find out, you know, how to create that life that you want. I create help you create a roadmap from the life you have right now to the life that you want and all while having fun because um, you know, I took life way too seriously for way too long. And uh, now it's all about fun. So
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's good. That's good. We all need to hear that message and um, put some more fun in our lives. Um, so great. Again, the things that that you do and um, the messages that you put out there. You know, I'm gonna, as we wrap this up, I loved what you asked me at the end of your show. And you talk about the fundamentals and kind of like, you know, I don't know if it's, if some others would call it non-negotiables or whatever, but just those fundamentals of you ask your guests that every guest that, you know, what their fundamentals. And so I'd love for, I'd love for you to answer that as we kind of, you know, wrap this up, like, what are your fundamentals or your kind of like everyday fundamentals?
0: Definitely. You know, and I had to think about that. Even though I asked that question, I had to think about that today. I'm like, what is it? So before I came on to the show, I prayed and My fundamentals are faith, fun and friendships, Mm. because, you know, I I honestly, as a girl that never had too many friendships growing up, my life would be completely different today if I had not built the relationships and the friendships that I had built in this last year. And um, I just recently met two friends of mine that I met on LinkedIn at the beginning of the year that I was completely introduced to by somebody else and I that and then that person disappeared out of my life. So I truly believe that it was a God thing by meeting these ladies and my husband and I drove to Chicago last weekend to meet them for the very first time. These ladies are incredible. They um they helped me through my father's through my father's death and um I definitely and I also oh, and power of attorney for a grandmother that has dementia. So since June, my life has really been, I feel like the Phoenix Rising into the Ashes some days because it Mm -hmm. seems like I get knocked down. You know that song, I get knocked down and I come back up again. Right, (laughs) right. I I, I feel like that is my my marathon song. Uh, But without these friendships, I know that I could not have gotten to where I am today and still be functional. I mean, I'd be functional, but I wouldn't be as alive as I am today. Cause mm-hmm. I, I just, it's, it's funny. Like I'll, something will come up. I'm like, okay, I'll have like a down moment, but then I just get right back. And I'm just like, just keep going. And like I said, fun is, is important because if I'm not having fun that I don't want to do it. And mm-hmm. I spent the first 40 years of my life, not having a lot of fun and I'm like, forget it. So. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, that's good. That's good. And I, um, I think that's, again, I love all of those. Um, I think it's great to have those connections, those friendships and, um, to have fun. And, you know, I know that I've had to kind of give myself permission to have fun, you know, too, and to find cause I'm somebody that just leads from my head so much and come on, let's get it done, you know, work hard and stuff like that. But we also should be playing hard or at least having fun and stuff like that. Um, so I'm, I love those fundamentals and um, love that we've been connected as friends too, and look forward to us staying in touch. I mean, tonight I'm going out to lunch with a, or dinner with a gal who became my friend this year. I was thinking about that before we came live because, you know, somebody, something ended this year that was um, really supporting me kind of spiritually. It was a group of women that I was a part of, and um, it really served me well, and um. Um, I really enjoyed the group for like two and a half years and won't go into the details, but I decided to leave the group this year. And it was a, it was a hard decision. I, you know, it was a hard decision for me to make, but then all of a sudden this other gal came into my life and she, I feel like she filled that need that I had. And the reason why I was going with those ladies and then some, so I'm like, so excited, like how things again, like ebb and flow and, and it's cool because the the way that I met her is that again, I'm doing, I'm kind of a master networker and connector as well. And so I was talking with people and they said, you should meet Dawn. And then people were talking with Dawn and they're like, you should be Moira. Like you guys should like meet. And all of a sudden she messaged me one day and she goes, I think it's time that we meet. And we did. And now we've become like, I go to her for some energy and some Reiki and healing and things like that. But we're going out to dinner tonight as a friend. So I'm super excited about that. And I just love that for, um, your fundamentals, because um, I hope people heard that. Those are great fundamentals that I think that we can all, you know, take and learn from, and um, you know, improve on. Because uh, life is great when we have some fun and we keep that faith. And uh, people have heard that on this podcast throughout the last year and a half. So thank you, Dorothy. I would love to continue to talk with you more and more today, but um, there'll be another time for that. And um, so thank you for joining us. Um, All of your info will be in the show notes, Um, but you'll find Dorothy again on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, you know, go find her and connect with her. If you've got a great story to share about overcoming or just listen to her, her shows and things like that. Some pretty awesome, cool people. So thanks for joining me. Any last words um, as we, as we close today?
0: I would just say definitely um, give yourself grace and give yourself time to be pampered you know, it's not selfish to uh, take care of yourself. And I heard that over and over. I had a a grandmother that's very old fashioned and it's like, take care of your man, you know, which is awesome (laughs) and wonderful. But, and not that I don't, I do take very good care of my husband as well as he takes care of me. I will put that in there too, but we, we all need to be, um, good to ourselves and to find find something that we love to do and start doing it again. So, um, because you can't pour from, from an empty cup, for sure. You know, I've learned that lesson. Well,
1: (laughs) yeah. Yep. So have I, there's a great song, look it up, you know, by Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all. And it's about loving yourself and putting yourself first. And um, when I'm feeling down or I need to be reminded that we need to put ourselves first, I find that and I just crank it in the car and play that. Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we have. We need to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. So thanks for joining me, Dorothy. It's just great to have you here on this show and um, look forward to more connections and more conversations with us. Thanks again, listeners, for coming back and listening again. It's um, always a great day when um, I can share a great story out there. So get the feedback from all of you, which I do, that these stories are powerful and they're helpful. So again, thanks for coming back and listening and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story? A story to share? A story of recovery and hope? Please let me know as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk, and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.